You're listening to the Virtual World Society's Next End Podcast. For this episode, we invited Alex Fernandez, educational technologist, business owner, and teaching artist. To get involved with our organization, head over to virtualworldsociety.org. What is going on, everybody? It is Maxwell with the Virtual World Society Next and Podcast. Very excited to be here with another fascinating guest, Alex Fernandez, educational technologist, business owner, and teaching artist. Alex, thank you so much for your time and welcome to the Next and Podcast. Max, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me here. You know, um, I get to interview a lot of fascinating, interesting people, and your bio is definitely something that piqued my interest. You are at at your very core. You are so involved with technology and education, and I am curious, were you always interested in getting involved in the tech space, or was it something that kind of blossomed a little bit more um, over time? Yeah, that's a good, really good question. And my journey was very uh, jagged and took many, many turns. Uh, I, I did a talk called The Flavors of Why for a Creative Mornings that went through the whole journey. But I started in business school, went into technology, um, was in HR at the time and fell into teaching. And, and teaching was what really opened my eyes up to uh, learning resources, learning technology and different ways that it can be used to really empower learners and empower teachers to be able to get through to to students in different ways. Absolutely. And, and in those ways, when you're empowering students, do you feel that education over time has improved in that matter? Yeah, you know, it's it's definitely something that's ever changing because, you know, we're teaching for tomorrow. And I, and I think that's one of the bigger things is the, the pace at with the, which things change now. It, it feels exponential compared to when, you know, things were originally starting and, and, you know, television and video games and now so many forms of media and mixed media and mixed reality. So uh, the, the pace that the evolution uh, really kind of forces us to be dynamic in, in the way that we teach and what we're teaching, right? We, we have to teach to think forward, not necessarily about the way we did things and where we are right now, but where are we going and, and how do we get prepared for it? Yeah, it seems like things change so much, especially with virtual reality technology and VR technology, because it changes so much, we have to adapt to survive, you know, in, in this industry and in other tech industries as as well. Adapt to survive is is something that is heard over and over again in the tech world and with tech professionals and your start in virtual reality. Um, were you always involved in virtual reality or did you kind of start more so when, you know, VR started to get a little bit more popular? Yeah, you know, I was in game-based learning tools. I did dabble in three-dimensional design in like 2006, and I started playing with SketchUp and and taught it when I was a teacher. So um, that portion had been there, but virtual reality really crossed my path when Google Cardboard came around, and, and I saw that design, and I just literally took a pizza box, and I cut the thing out and bought the lenses and made my first headset. And then from there, I started 3D printing and, you know, designing my own and and just finding old hardware to to bring it to life. And I was I was hooked from that point on. 
Yeah, it's certainly an addictive feeling being involved with virtual reality. You talked about the Google Cardboard. You made your own you made your own headset setup. What was that like? Was that comfortable or was or was it a little a little jagged? Yeah, I mean, it's very clunky. It was, uh, it, you know, it's prototypes. It was the early days. It was before Oculus even existed when Palmer Lucky was looking at that, uh, you know, that concept and, and decided to duct tape a cell phone to his face and figured it out and and started writing a software to really optimize it. It was just, uh, it, it was a peek into the future. And, and, and I saw, you know, augmented reality books and different ways that mobile devices were being empowered to, to bring digital things to life. You know, and it, it took me back to that Who Frames Roger Rabbit movie where, you know, that mixture of cartoon and, and reality and, and that blend there within. Um, and, and it just started, I, I started kind of envisioning where it was going and, and seeing the path to, you know, it, it's really benefiting so many industries. And, and sure, there are early adopters and you see in the medical and the auto industry and design and engineering and you know, certainly gaming and movie industry, but, you know, others are, are picking up and identifying use cases in which immersive simulations are, are practical and, and giving somebody an opportunity to, to prove a skill or, or improve a skill uh, is really powerful. And, uh, you know, it's, it's growing, like I said, every, every minute with the capability of the technology being so inexpensive. I noticed that you talk a lot about this foresight of kind of peering into the future, turning on the the cell phone and putting the the Google glasses or the uh, the cardboard on your head and kind of saying, "All right, this is where the future is going." Have you always had this foresight? Uh, I mean, when it came to this technology and the way it impacts learning, I I, I you know had dreams and hopes. I wouldn't say that I I, I saw it all clearly, but I certainly. I felt like there was going to to be impact on the way that we interact with technology as, as you know, things become more immersive and, and as you feel like you're consuming space. And the first time I did tilt brush and, and I was able to draw and create something and then walk around it and walk through it and scale it up and scale it down, uh, that, that really, that, that was powerful. And then when the next level, when I was able to do that collaboratively inside of a platform like Horizon Worlds, where you can get four people building and scripting and coding and coloring and texturing. And it's just all, you know, in a social and shared space, it has even more of an impact than it did as a singular, you know, experience. Yeah. Now let's talk a little bit about Horizon Worlds. When did you first get involved with it? Uh, that was early uh, release. So it was 2020. Uh, when I was actually given access, I waited almost a year after applying to to be, you know, given access since their announcement. I think in 2019, and it, it finally released and it came out, and it was, you know, kind of the start or the middle of the pandemic, and um, I I found a, a great community, and I found a lot of you know early adopters and like minded individuals that were there to experiment and explore and push the boundaries of a of a tool and a technology that was obviously still in development. I mean, it was I I, I saw I think four or five different iterations of the avatars, and I can't tell you how many updates to the application and have been involved to to really have you know some feedback and some input into the you know way that the the product has you know come to light today 
And uh, yeah, it, it's been a fun experience. I got to tell you, I mean, I met a lot of great people, learned so many things, put together project teams. And, you know, honestly, it was, it was therapeutic. It was, you know, it was a creative outlet. It was a, a way to socialize. It, it was, you know, an experiment that ended up becoming a career. I le- I've left my, my position as a full-time teacher to, to full-time uh, with Inspire, you know, create these immersive experiences and 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 really kind of bring to life people's ideas and in a tool that you know to some might seem like a toy, but is the beginning of you know the foundation of creator uh, you know economy and and this ability for people to create their own spaces and and bring people into them in ways that we never could before. Yeah, these apps are incredible. I mean, they're t- seriously, they're they're mind-blowing, aren't they? Engage, Altspace VR, Horizon Worlds, you can, you know, build worlds in in Unity and import them into these different apps and then explore them but also explore the worlds that were created by the app developers themselves. And when you exper- mm-hmm. first experience Horizon Worlds, what was your very first experience in the app? Uh, I went into a place called the Plaza and they had like a boomerang and, you know, a paper airplane and different things that you could kind of manipulate. And you were able to kind of talk to and interact with people. And then, you know, just kind of exploring the tools. I jumped right into the building tools and just started playing. And you go in there and all of the building that's done for Horizon Worlds is in headset. So you're pulling out primitive shapes. And it started, you only had 15 shapes. You couldn't build with anything else. You had 15 shapes. You would stretch, pull, skew. And lock them together and and find different ways to to kind of create your vision and, and i was just experimenting i made a ping pong table i made my snowman i you know i started kind of creating different things and then i'm um, you know, some vr headsets and then the one that i really got stuck on was um the hoverboard from back to the future and i made the hoverboard but i wanted to ride it so i didn't know how to script i, I mean the coding is not necessarily my strength so I started asking around and found a few people that were into it. I would help them with their projects and, you know, they would reciprocate by spending a little time helping me, you know, conquer this problem that I had, you know, get over the hurdle or break through the brick wall that was the stopping gate in my creativity. And it was, I was just wanted to fly this thing and I didn't know how I knew what I wanted to accomplish. I could verbalize it. So through the input of a couple of people trying to solve the problem their own way, I'm looking over their shoulders and seeing all this happen. And then two of them start working together and looking at code in unison while I'm hearing this, I'm understanding a lot more of how the logic is applying and playing out though. I'm not going to be a coder. I'm understanding it because I'm watching it happen and unfold in front of me. And so many times these types of things happen in a bubble and they happen, you know, isolated with one person staring at one screen, they do their part, they hand it off. The difference here is the creative process, the ability to ideate and the ability to share space with a project manager and user experience expert and artist and a psychologist, you know, to look at everything through a different lens and, and bring different aspects and variables to the overall experience. Yeah, there's a lot of people involved in virtual reality, I notice that aren't even necessarily from a tech background. They're creatives. I, I notice, do you think, it you you just you have to have some sort of drive behind your creativity you ha- you have to have a sense of creativity to get involved with virtual reality like world building and horizon worlds well i think if you like solving problems like i know a lot of coders are not the best at 
art or concept and and they'll they'll admit to it and they'll say this is where i falter and that's where people like myself say you know get, all right tell me what you're trying to accomplish 20 words and let me start something and as i'm making it give me feedback and we'll get to where you want to be you know and and that's one of the fun parts is is that it all happens so fluidly in real time that it, it's it, it's very organic i i think it, it's it's really brought a uh, a natural sense, I, I feel at least, to the way I create, because I've never created in a bubble. I, I've always known that I, I'm, I'm more impactful and the outcome of what I've been able to accomplish is greater with a group than it is as an individual trying to do that same thing. So um, team, you know, and, and just, you know, really looking at the things through different lenses and, and helping support others where they feel that they're missing so that they can then come and like with the hoverboard, just solve a problem. Look, get me through that, and and let's move on to the next one. And a lot, a lot of it is, is kind of the the experimentation and and encountering these things and overcoming them together. So. Yeah, this this inspiration being brought on by solving problems, by solving creative problems, is to to me that that's a very inspiring answer. I I love that that we are a community that solves problems together and you can get involved with virtual reality, augmented reality, extended reality, if you're willing to and have a desire to solve those problems. And was that part of your inspiration for starting Inspire? For sure. I mean, I, I'm an engineer and an artist and a student, you know, lifelong student at heart. And uh, I had met some individuals who I had the fortune to bring on to some projects that I got in 2021. And in 2022, I was approached by a, a small group and five of us decided to found Inspire. Um, I took the role of chief product officer and helped really define our offerings. And then, you know, it started snowballing and we got opportunities where we built five worlds for Wendy's and built an entire Wendyverse for them. And, and then, you, you know, companies like Cheetos and Target and, you know, working with Warner Music to make a music video with an artist in Colombia. Um, just, you know, things that I never really foresaw at the beginning of this year when I was teaching an engineering classroom at a charter school. And at the same time, in between my classes or right at the end of the day, taking meetings to try to get things off the ground with Inspire. Um, you, you know, it was burning the candle at two ends for, for some time, but it was, uh, it, it was uh, an amazing opportunity an amazing experience. And it was so organic because it, it unfolded amongst friends and collaborators and people who, you know, were, were already just supporting each other. So it was, it was just made sense to, to structure it, to incorporate, to get a bit more formal about the documentation and, and, and the process that we use and, you know, try to be the best at what we do. And, and I think we've not only have we created some amazing process and, and some amazing, you know, uh, worlds and experiences, but we've built a team in a small community. We've got about 40 contractors, people that are project managers, artists, scripters, user experience, quality assurance testing, and, and all of them are contributing in different ways to kind of help us achieve this. So Inspire is a company, uh, such a solidified company with really, I mean, crazy cool client basis and the clients that you work for the ones that you named are really really big names do you ever work with kind of smaller organizations especially i noticed that um a lot of schools have a difficult time getting into virtual reality because of the the cost that goes into it do you also serve smaller clients as well 
At this stage, we have not just because the accessibility of the platform inside of educational spaces primarily is the one restriction there. Um, filters often 90% of the time will block access. Um, you know, we have built some experiences, you know, for uh, whether it be different initiatives in learning environments or hackathons. And we're looking at nonprofit opportunities and ways to kind of give back to the community. So we want to expand upon that. Um, as of right now, we've been kind of concentrating on the on the enterprise and really kind of brand integration, larger scale activations. Um, you know, we worked with VaynerMedia and VMLYNR and a, and a couple of other really, really just amazing powerhouse agencies and had some of just some brilliant talent kind of, you know, give us a crash course on what it's like to bring campaigns to life. And, and I think that's where we're trying to isolate our focus. But, it, you know, certainly working with and either referring, um, you know, individuals in, in different scenarios to the right people, right? We know a, a large group of individuals who are, uh, are at a, a broad range and a broad spectrum of specialty areas and interest areas and, and also budget ranges, right? Because, you know, it, it kind of scales up once you talk about um, some of the corporate, you know, initiatives definitely require a lot more meetings, a lot more uh, validation as you go through, you know, we have a, a very thorough process and a review process and quality testing that goes on and um, about an eight to 10 week cycle for builds. But when we're doing the smaller ones and the more intimate ones, we have a lot more flexibility um, one of which we're working on right now is for the Science Museum and and the partnership with VR Buffalo and, you know, the Science Museum. And then, you know, we have some apprentices that are going to be coming in through Arts for Learning as well. So it's really um, just an opportunity to start showcasing this content, the, the content creation, the new media to um, to new users, right? And helping empower them with the skill sets to be able to potentially pursue careers. And the greatest part about this whole partnership and everybody aligned uh, with the Virtual World Society stepping in as our fiscal sponsor, which I can't thank them enough, is, is, is going to be an opportunity to supply headsets to these individuals upon completion of the course. So they'll go through a you know 24-hour course where, where they get hands-on exposure and, and a, a purpose-built and a targeted kind of portfolio build project where at the end they have proof of their work and and a headset that will allow them and empower them to continue to learn, expand their exposure and potentially jump right into projects. So um, again, you know, just, just really fortunate to have all the people that see the potential in this and are now really supporting um, the expansion and exposure in ways like this. Well, at the Virtual World Society, we are happy to help organizations and individuals and professionals such as yourself, especially with um, with the education side of things. And with SkillSpark, VR Buffalo, and the Buffalo Science Museum all kind of coming together, was Inspire the bridge that brought you to these organizations? You know what? And, uh, I've been working with the Buffalo Public Schools, Arts for Learning, and VR Buffalo for a long time. So they they all uh, you know preceded uh, the Inspire is is a very new, you know, as of this year organization. So um, yeah, VR Buffalo I've had since 2016. My wife and I have been integrating virtual reality. We've been doing conferences and professional developments, and you know, I, I push into schools and libraries and museums and 
you know, this kind of formulated from that relationship. And it just seemed like a perfect time to really meld the two uh, kind of parts of my professional career, both as an independent, you know, business owner, freelancer, and now this more corporate, you know, inspire, uh, you know, entity and, and kind of unifying our efforts and our focus to really um, help the Science Museum with their exhibit. They have the uh, current uh, Reinventing Reality exhibit, which is kind of a history of virtual reality. It goes through everything and all the technology and breaks it apart. So it's a great way for people who don't have an understanding to get exposure and to understand it a little bit more inside and out. And uh, with this apprentice program, we'll, we'll be able to really expand exposure to multi-person collaboration and creation and tools like Multibrush, Shapes XR, Gravity Sketch, Horizon Worlds, um, and, and really, you know, help people understand a little bit more about like hand tracking and, and where the technology is going, right? What the next five years look like and how to be prepared for it and, and start to think creatively to solve the problems as they come about. You talk about the next five years. A lot can change in five years with organizations, with technology, with a virtual reality, especially. What are you hopeful for as far as the apprenticeship goes that's going to happen within the next five years? What are you what are you passionate about and what drives you about these goals for the next five years, especially with SkillSpark involved? Yeah, I mean, with, with SkillSpark, it's just really just getting it in the hands of more people. And, and they help me expand my, you know, tool set here by getting into a number of additional headsets in, included. So I can bring up to eight headsets and do introductory workshops. But I, I want to get people a sense of purpose and to look at these things as a potential career. I want them to walk out and, and really understand that this is workforce development. This is something where you know, somebody who comes in here and does something and loves it and enjoys it and, and can find a career, that is the best gift I can ever give anybody is to possibly find a way to make a living doing something you enjoy because it doesn't feel like work. Uh, if I can encourage people, if I can showcase that pathway and help them get there in any way, shape or form, um, that's my goal. And if I can you know, exponentially grow this and show people, you know, the the intent and the end result and and kind of you know the 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 quality that it can bring to to those individuals who really um, see the value and, and go through the program. I, I think there's there's endless potential and, and jobs are coming up and you know every day you know there's there's new aspects to the industry and new ways to look at it. Um, sure, it's a turbulent one. It's one you will always have to stay, you know, diligent. And like I tell everybody, you have to be a lifelong student if you're a technologist in any way, right? If you're going to be involved in technology, be ready to study for the rest of your life because that's the way we live. So, um, but have fun doing it, right? You know, what's funny, as you're talking, I'm thinking to myself, you, you, you're never not an educator, you know, once you become an educator, once you're never not an educator. And do you think that background just keeps coming back because of your love for education? But also, is is there a belief there somewhere that education as a whole is kind of the centerpiece of our society? That's where everything starts. That's where everything grows. Yeah, I mean, it's it's where my heart has been on and off since 2008. I mean, I've left industry twice to to go back to the classroom. This most recent time I left, I was at Yahoo and I left and took about a 70% pay cut to go be a teacher because I wanted to and, and because I needed it for myself and I enjoyed it. But in the end, you know, to be in an industry that 
unfortunately is just underappreciated and and it's just not given the value that that it needs it's you know for for me i wanted to have more of an impact i wanted to impact that scale i wanted to to push things forward and and to really you know help make a difference and you know uh it I, I have that opportunity now. You know, I've I've had opportunities in tech to to go down the product line, even though it was education. This is this is the closest to to kind of wrapping up my you know side hustle passion projects and my full time gig. Feel like they're all one right now, and, and I think that is something I've always had. You know, this this kind of two components to to myself and and what I really invest myself into and it just feels like they're melding in, in a very good way and and I feel fortunate to be in that position. So basically you you want these different career paths to have a symbiotic relationship then. Correct, correct. Yeah, that, the ultimate goal would be to to be influencing education while evolving products and and learning technology and and you know, the way that it's utilized and, and just helping make a, a difference in a way that that can leave a mark or at least push somebody in 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 a direction that feels appropriate for them. You know, it, oftentimes I've felt that, you know, if you don't see a path, you don't know to walk down it. And, and that's that's just what I like to do is just shine a light for people. And, and if it's something of interest to you, and I found some who, you know, latched on and, you know, you could see in like in, in five minutes of knowing them, I'm like, that's going to be an engineer, guarantee it. Like somebody who will just definitely go down that path, even if it's not their whole life there, it's something, you know, that's innate, that that's meant for them. And, and uh, again, that might change over and over. And it has for me, uh, I've had a very dynamic career and, and I encourage people to constantly evaluate and, I mean, what better to, way to do that than through play? Absolutely. Well, play is fun. Play is is something that we do as a kid. Play is, is one of the best ways to learn. And mm -hmm. I want to go a little bit broader for, uh, for just a second. Virtual reality, the technology as a whole, do you think that it is good for our society, that it's going to benefit our society moving forward in the future? I think it's an inevitable step in the learnings that will eventually just be augmented reality and like holograms in front of us. And, you know, the interactions will be much more natural. Uh, I mean, the headsets are going to peel away uh, over time and it will become like visors or a pair of glasses. So uh, it, it's a it's a stepping stone. It's it's the Atari. It's like the first web page you've ever seen. Right. It's 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 just a, a step in. The evolution of immersive media and, and i think right now you have to be completely consumed to get you know what feels like a very true experience because ar is just not maybe bright enough not i i you know that some of the headsets are doing a great job don't get me wrong it's just um i i feel like there is at least five to ten years of learning before we get to a point where ar is comfortable and computing at that level on our face where um, it's adopted as much as VR has been in these past two years. Now, sure, that's been accelerated by the pandemic, and 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 definitely a lot of these people are just experimenting as opposed to early adopters and really diving in. But at the same time, 
the the hardware itself, the capability to use this is getting into the hands of more and more people. Like I'm talking to universities to find out if I can get their old Quest 1s and white label install an OEM device or a custom operating system that's going to lock it down into a kiosk, put a couple of experiences on there and get this thing to, you know, underserved countries. And, you know, I've uh, talks with people in Tunisia and, and Egypt, and, you know, there's always a possibility of getting these old devices in their hands, right? So don't think of antiquated tech as just something to shove in a closet, because it can still be kept alive. It can still give people that first time exposure to VR. I mean, how old is the Quest 1? I, I can't even tell you how many years. Feels like a decade. It's probably only been like three, four years. Uh, but, you know, the the first time exposure is, is really the eye opener. And then where you go from there is just dependent on uh, on your interest and ability to get access to it. And, and that's where I try to step in is really getting access and awareness out there. Uh, and, and more than anything now, you know, building teams and, and helping brands bring these things to reality inside of worlds that can add value to their campaigns. I, I can assure you the campaigns that we did. We're not the scale at which some of the you know major television commercial might cost you, uh, but it brought that much value, if not more, uh, in, in the amount of attention and interaction and involvement, and, you know, actual connection with their audience that they were able to to get. I mean, the the brand recognition was was well uh, well interpreted across the data and the metrics that they were evaluating, and it was really interesting to see the successes of it. Well, Alex, I, I, I have to say that you are a very inspirational individual and professional, and the work that you do is so important, both on the business side of things with Inspire and also on the education side of things with SkillSpark, the Buffalo Science Museum, VR Buffalo, and the Virtual World Society is so happy and so thrilled to be involved with a, with a, a great great guy like you. So I want to thank you for your work and your contributions to this industry. And I'm so excited to see what you're going to create moving forward in the future. Well, it's truly been a pleasure working with everybody on the team. Uh, you know, and Angelina, Daniel, everybody in, has been tremendous and uh, just really look forward to continuing the work that we've started this past year. Absolutely. Well, Alex, it has been such a pleasure to interview you and to talk to you. And I want to thank you for your time. I know that you're a very busy guy. So I really appreciate you coming by uh, and chatting with me for the next in podcast. Wonderful, Max. You have a great evening. Thank you, everybody. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. You can listen to us every week for the next in podcast. I'm your host, Maxwell McGee. Thank you for listening.